Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. And he went outside and wept bitterly. He went outside and wept bitterly. When was that the story of your life? When have you been there? When was that moment for you when the bottom fell out and it felt like you'd lost everything? When it felt like life would never be the same again? He went outside and he wept bitterly. Today, maybe that's been your story. Feels like your whole life. It certainly, it certainly reminds me this, uh, of the story of Lewis's life. You see, Lewis, Lewis had a life that was filled with more pain and disappointment than most of us would ever know. Certainly more than I have ever experienced in my life. Lewis had an unstable family. He had experienced years of abuse. And because of that, uh, he he was in and out of the foster care system in various group homes. Uh, He told me, he told me at one point he had been kicked out of 32 different boys' homes throughout his childhood and teenage years. He felt rejected, so he lashed out. He eventually resorted to using and selling drugs. This cycle ultimately led him to stints in jail. He couldn't keep a job, and he couldn't overcome his addiction to drugs. His life seemed hopeless. Lewis said this, Bitter and angry, I accepted that this was the cycle of life for me, and this is how it would be forever. But the good news today is that's not the end of Lewis's story. We've been talking a lot about story in these days, Uh, not just the story of God, but although that that is our focus each and every week when we come together, God's story through his word for us. But we've not just been talking about the story of God, and we've not just been talking about the redemption story of Easter that we just celebrated two weeks ago. We've also been talking about our story, your story and my story, and how we find our place in the story of God, because this is not just God's story, past tense, what has happened, what did transpire. We believe that we're invited into the story, that on each page we find ourselves. This is our redemption story. This is our resurrection story. And so over the last few weeks, we've been talking a lot about our story. How do we find our place? What's our place in the story of God. That's, that's why we've entitled this series, The Stories of Your Life. And today we conclude this, these snapshots in and around Holy Week, 
in and around the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, what, what can we learn from these stories and how, how are these the stories of our lives? And Peter went outside and wept bitterly. That's where we begin today. Why was he weeping? Why was Peter weeping? He denied Jesus. Not just once, but three times. In Jesus' suffering and pain, Jesus was going to the cross, and Peter turned his back on him. And the worst part of all, the worst part of all is Jesus said it was going to happen. He told Peter, you're going to deny me. And Peter said, no way, not me. And Peter did exactly that. Not once, not twice, but three times. Peter's historic and crushing failure was no surprise, though, to the one who loved him best. Look at the story again. It's in Luke 22. Uh, maybe you're familiar with it, but I want to go there as the context for where we're heading today as we talk about um, the story and our story today. Starting in verse 54, then seizing him, who's him, Jesus, they led Jesus away and took him to the house of the high priest. We know what's coming, right? We know the cross is coming. We know that Jesus is going to lay down his life for the sins of all humanity. But there's an important snapshot, important picture happening here as Peter followed at a distance. He's already distancing himself, right? And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down with them. Servant girl saw him seated there. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. He denied it, woman. I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him. He's a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And then look at verse, verse 61. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Imagine that moment. Imagine what that would have felt like. Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. This is Peter. Peter has all the confidence, all the gusto. If you're not familiar with the Gospels, uh, Peter is right there. He's ready to charge. He's ready to do anything, right? Uh, Jesus called him the rock. So that's the personality of this guy, Peter. All the confidence in the world. And he had seen Jesus perform miracles. He was right there. He had a front row for all of the teachings and healings and all the things that Jesus had done. Surely of all the disciples, of everybody that would turn their back, not Peter. He wouldn't do it. He's got the courage, the bravado to stick with Jesus no matter what. But Peter denies the Lord not just once, but three times. He betrays Jesus completely. If there's a word to describe this scene, it would be the word failure. Failure. This was a complete and utter failure. There's no other way to describe it. Peter failed. Peter failed. And in response, what does he do? He weeps bitterly. You can relate to failure, right? I, I can. 
We all can. Failure is a reality in our world, in the world in which we live. We all have experienced it. But this is not a story of failure. This is a story about how we respond when we fail. And even more importantly, how our Heavenly Father responds when we fail. That's the truth of Peter's story. And that's where we're going to enter in and find our place in the story. So, uh, what happens? What happens? We know a lot happens after this moment. After uh, Peter goes out and weeps bitterly, we know uh, that Jesus is crucified and buried, but on, on that resurrection day, he rises again. He overcomes death in the grave. Uh, he, the resurrected Jesus. And now, at the conclusion, we're going to go to John's gospel. At the conclusions of John's gospel, we see this encounter where Peter sees Jesus again face to face. Remember, the last time he saw Jesus face to face, he was denying him. I don't know him. And now he sees him face to face again. The resurrected Jesus. The one who overcame death in the grave. So how will Peter respond? And most importantly, how does Jesus respond? So look again, uh, John chapter 21. Everything that we've done is to get us here. So we're going we're gonna to be looking at the first 19 verses as we dive into the story and we, we seek to find our place today in, in the story of God. It says this, starting in verse 1 of John 21. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going to fish. Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. <laughs> so they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Now some of us in the room, we've been studying the gospel of John in our life groups this semester. So some of you have caught on that this idea of going to fish, it's kind of like uh, we, we saw Jesus resurrected and now we don't know what to do. So let's just go back to fishing. It's the only thing we know to do. So let's go do that again. But they're not very successful, are they? They catch no fish. Let's go verse 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize it was him. He called, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of such a large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. In that moment, pause for a minute. What do you think is going through Peter's mind? It's the Lord. It's Jesus over there. What's he feeling? What's he thinking? How will he respond? Going to verse 7. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. They were not far away from the shore, about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Pause for a minute. So how will Jesus respond, right? The last time, well, when he, he, this encounter of seeing Peter face to face, Peter denies him. So, so how will Jesus respond? A lecture 
some tough love. He's going to reprimand him in front of the other disciples. How will Jesus respond? He says, come on, let's have breakfast. Now, some of you already knew that breakfast was deeply spiritual in your life. You know, maybe your mom told you it was the most important meal of the day, and you've always wondered, does the Bible say that? Well, John 21, it must be pretty spiritual because Jesus says, let's have breakfast. So um, that's supposed to be a joke, tough crowd today. But Jesus said, come, let's have breakfast. I'll remove that joke from the second service, clearly. Not a good one. Come have breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to say, who are you? They knew. They knew it was the Lord. So Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them. Did the same with the fish. This is now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So this beautiful encounter, breakfast with Jesus. And now, and now uh, there's something more. And we did all of that to get us to this sequence in John chapter 21. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. You know I love you. He said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Take care of my sheep. Third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus said, asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death Peter would glorify God. Then he said, follow me. A beautiful story, right? It would be easy, it would be easy in this story to see Jesus ask Peter something three times. And we know that repetition is important. It's important any time in Scripture. But we also know Peter denied Jesus three times. So it's probably not a coincidence that Jesus now asks him three times, Hey, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Second time, Peter, do you love me? A third time, Jesus, why do you keep asking me? Yes, I love you. And, and there's a beautiful parallel there, but there's, there's something even, even more significant. This is not some sort of retribution, making Peter make a pittance. Jesus isn't just saying, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times. Look at what Jesus' response says. Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Jesus is not just forgiving Peter, offering him grace and mercy. Jesus is commissioning Peter to do ministry. He's not just tolerating, like, okay, yeah, you can be one of my disciples again. I'll forgive you. He's, he's commissioning him to minister. When Jesus said, on this rock, meaning Peter, I will build my church, not even Peter's cataclysmic, catastrophic failure could keep that from happening. So now Jesus calls Peter to bring hope to other people in spite of his failure. And Peter is never the same. If you know the story and you keep reading the story that we find in here, you know Peter's not, never the same because Peter is there on the day of Pentecost as the Spirit of God moves in a powerful way. He's there as the church is born and he's there. He immediately begins to preach and 3,000 people were saved and baptized, right? I love when one person was baptized. I love that this morning. Can you imagine? 3,000 people in that moment, in that day were baptized. Peter's right there 
there. He's there healing. He's there preaching. He's thrown in jail in the book of Acts and he keeps preaching. He's persecuted and he keeps proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. Before, before when he's faced with opposition, he folded, right? He ran away. But now, now we see all throughout the book of Acts, he's bold. He's obedient even in the face of opposition. He becomes one of the most influential leaders the church has ever known. What a beautiful story. What an amazing redemption story. One of the most obvious, terrible failures ever recorded becomes a beautiful redemption story. And maybe today you might be tempted to say, well, that is a great story. And close your Bible and move on with your day. Maybe you see Peter's story as encouraging, inspiring, but if that's all that it is for you, then I think you miss the most important question that the Lord would have for us, the question of what's my place in this story? What's my place in this story? What if the story of Peter is not just some historical account of a man who failed and was forgiven and then became one of the greatest leaders in the church. What if the word of God is alive and active and this story is here, not just for us to witness Peter's transformation, but to ask, what can I learn from this story? What, what is the Lord speaking? What is he saying to me through this story? I wonder what thoughts come to your mind when you fail. Notice I didn't say if you fail, because one thing that's true for all of us in this room, we've all failed. I wonder what comes to your mind when you fail, when you let others down. What about in your relationship with the Lord, right? What happens when you fail, when you fall short? What are you thinking in that moment? What do you think about yourself? What do you think about the Lord in those moments? It's a really important question, isn't it? For me, I know, I, I know what I'm thinking. You idiot. What a fool. I can't believe I did this. Or even more, I knew I would do this. Anybody else like that? Like, it's not just I can't believe I did it, but this self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, I knew, I knew I would do this. I knew I would mess this up. For me, it's a broken record in my heart and my mind again. This ongoing dialogue, uh, when, when I fail, when I fall short. Just reminding me, Adrian, you're a failure. Adrian, I, you knew this would happen. Adrian, you'll never be good enough. In those words, I am a failure, are not words that I would speak aloud often, but they're words in my heart and my mind that I hear often. Those aren't words from the Lord, but they're words nonetheless. What I'm thinking about the Lord in that moment in the moment when I fail is really important. If I'm thinking God won't forgive me, I'm such a disappointment to him. There's no way he will love me now. Time and time again, this is what happens. I start to believe that. I may say, well, I know that's not true. I, but, but in my life, when those are the words I'm, I'm speaking time and time again over myself, when those are the thoughts that I'm thinking time and time again, I begin to believe that it's true, and I begin to live my life as if it's true, that I'm a failure. One of the most important details in the story is how Peter responds to Jesus in spite of failure. Was he ashamed? You bet he was. He wept bitterly. He watched 
from a distance, right? Or as he flees, Jesus is crucified and he's in the grave and he's dead and buried. How, how did that feel to Peter, having just denied him? Even as Jesus is resurrected and there's hope there, surely even then Peter must feel shame at coming face to face with Jesus once again. But in spite of that, how does he respond? Look at the story again. What does he do? He jumps into the water. As soon as he hears it's the Lord, he jumps into the water. He runs towards Jesus. The moment he realized Jesus is on the shore, he gets out of the boat and he's splashing and flailing to get to the one he loves, his Savior, his Lord. Pastor uh, Jared Link, who pastors our East Rock campus, we were talking and planning. Uh, he's preaching this message today out in Elkton, and so often we'll collaborate and we'll talk. And, and um, I'm going to quote him because this is something that he said this week that really moved me. He said this, What we believe about God in our moment of failure will make the difference in our future. I'm going to say that again. What we believe about God in our moment of failure makes the difference in our future. See, we shouldn't miss the fact that Peter avoids doing what we sometimes do. I know what I do sometimes. When I sin, when I fall short, when I fail, I hide from God. I put distance between me and him. I might feel ashamed. I might feel bad. I might f but instead of running to him, I do the opposite. I build a barrier between me and God. I convince myself that he wouldn't love me. I, make, I put distance between myself and him. But that's not what Peter does. He runs to him. He runs to him. See, here's the truth. Peter knew Jesus. Did he fail? Yep, he did. But even in the midst of his bitter weeping, it's clear that he knew Jesus. And Peter knew Jesus well enough to know his grace. To know his grace. He knew enough to know that if he came running after Jesus, splashing through the water, he would not be rejected. Peter knew his grace. And even in the midst of his failure, it made all the difference. Peter knew his grace. The question is, do you? Do I? As we seek to find our place in this story, and you think about that moment when you fail and you fall short, and it's Jesus right there on the shore, how do you respond? Do you know his grace enough? Do you trust in his forgiveness enough to jump out of the boat and go splash and flailing all the way to the shore? Or do you hide? Do you run? Do you push back? Do you believe that somehow in some way he can't redeem your mistakes? That's Peter's story. And the beautiful thing is, is it's Lewis's story too. As I've already shared uh, earlier in my message, Lewis's life felt hopeless. And it seemed hopeless to him. Rock bottom came in, in 2020. 2020 was a hard year for a lot of people, but for Lewis it was rock bottom. He had been clean for several months. He had begun attending church. He was bringing his son with him step by step. He was trying to piece his life back together. But then in 2020 came COVID. He wasn't able to attend church, and he relapsed. He said it was his lowest point, and he got to a place where he didn't want to live anymore. The last-ditch effort, he reached out to a cousin, Nathan, 
who attended a church in Harrisonburg, Virginia with a ministry called Celebrate Recovery. Now, Lewis lived halfway across the United States, but that night, Nathan began to share the story of what God had done in his life. All the ways he had forgiven him. All of the ways that he had redeemed his life. So that night, he, he jumped on a Zoom call. Lewis jumped on a Zoom call with the ministry leaders for Celebrate Recovery. They took time to listen to Lewis, and they prayed for him. God saved me that night, Lewis said. I didn't know it yet, but he saved my life. On May 20th, 2020, Lewis and his son boarded a plane to Virginia with two duffel bags and nothing else. It was time to start over. It was time to believe that God had a plan in the future in spite of all the mess that had happened. In June 2020, Ashley flew across the country to join Lewis and their son Liam. They began attending CR together, walking a road to recovery in Christ. The Lord began to heal hurts and pains from their past, bringing them together as a family. And in uh, August 2020, Pastor Margaret married Lewis and Ashley. I remember the first Sunday I met Lewis and Ashley was out here on the parking lot during COVID. We were doing some services outside. And the very first time I met them and the very first time Pastor Margaret began to share their story, it was obvious to me that the Lord was working in their life. Today, Lewis has been transformed by God. The Lord has saved him and redeemed his life from a past filled with so much hurt. On the screen, I have a picture of Lewis and Ashley and their precious family. And I show you this picture and I tell Lewis's story because you remember, remember in the story, it's beautiful that Jesus forgives Peter, but he does something more, right? He commissions him for ministry. The coolest thing about Lewis and Ashley's story is today they both serve faithfully in leadership at Celebrate Recovery. Just a few years ago, they were attending. They were taking this journey of just desperation, trying to find hope and healing. But today, it's not just that God has forgiven them. It's not just that he's healed their brokenness now. They're helping others. They're bringing hope to other people on their journey. This past January, here at our church, they led a Bible study for our church family entitled Life's Healing Choices. Ashley and Lewis are both walking miracles of the grace and forgiveness and redemption of God. And they are beautiful reminders of what God can do. Even when we fail, even when we fall short, even when we feel broken or ashamed or unlovable, if we turn to him, the Lord can transform our lives. See, Peter's story isn't that different than ours, is it? Really? I have it on the screen that this is true for us. Great desperation is met with great forgiveness. How desperate was Peter? He jumped a hundred yards away from the shore. However he could to get to Jesus, he was going to do that. He was desperate. Even in his shame, even in his guilt, even acknowledging the way that he had failed, he was desperate to get to Jesus. And his desperation was met with great forgiveness and great redemption and great hope. There are some of us that showed up today, and like me, 
the story in your mind and in your heart is that you're a failure or that you always fall short. You'll never be in all, all of the things that maybe you know you can talk yourself out, but, but in your heart you've kind of believed that to be true. And you might read a story like this, the story of God, and just say, I could never be me. But Peter's story for many of us is our story. A story of a man who failed and yet was redeemed for God's glory. Uh, the team's going to come and help us prepare to close. But as they do today, I want to offer an opportunity for grace. It's not my grace. His grace. I want to I offer an opportunity for healing. Not, not healing, not, nothing that I can do, but, but divine healing over whatever past you carry, whatever failure you might stack up in your past and point to and just think there's no way I can get beyond that. Today, I want to give you an opportunity not just to move past it, but to allow the Lord to heal and redeem and point your life in a direction that you may have never thought possible, but because of his glory in your life. Imagine Peter standing up that day Filled with the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 people are responding and being baptized and they're saved. And somebody in the crowd, one of the disciples, must have nudged his friend and was like, remember Peter? Remember him? Remember the way that he? Now look at what God's doing. Now look at what God's doing. Church family, I just want to invite you today. Would you unbow your heads with me and close your eyes? I just believe for some... In the room today, this message is so important. And maybe today, church family, if this, is, if this is not a message for you, would you help me right now pray for the person on your left and the person on your right and the person in front of you and the person online? Because I just believe there's some people that showed up today that believe the story of their life will always be failure and the story of their life will always be addiction and brokenness. The story of their life will always be not good enough. Will never measure up. And I don't know who that is, but I just know. I know. There are people here today. They feel like that's their story. I know that because that's what the enemy often does in our lives when we fail. This cycle of shame, this cycle of rejection that keeps us from the Father who desperately wants to give you grace, forgiveness, and healing. He's got a plan for your life. He's got ministry. He wants to use your life to bring hope to others. If you would just turn to him. So I, I want to pray for you today if that's you. And I do believe if that's you, you know it's you. You've wrestled. You've been on this journey. You felt alone or hopeless. You felt like a failure before. That, that lie creeps up way too often in your heart and mind. It's a battle, maybe a daily battle that you face. And today I want to invite you to be set free from that. I want to invite you. To not run from the Father, but run to Him in desperation. 
So we're going to pray. And if that's you today, I just want to give you the invitation right there where you're sitting. If you'd like to just join me in a prayer. A prayer that says, God, I'm going to run to you. When I feel like I failed, when I feel like I've fallen short, when I feel like I'm not enough, I'm not running from you. I'm running to you. I'm jumping in the water and I'm coming your way because I believe in my desperation. You meet me right where I am and you desire to heal and you desire to redeem and you desire to hold me in your arms. So today I'm, I'm going to join you down here on the floor because I, I want to stand. <laughs> I want to stand in that prayer. I want to stand and receive that prayer. And maybe you want to join me today. So if that's you, right where you're sitting, would you just stand to your feet? You don't need to come down front. You don't need to go to an altar. You don't need to bother anybody or do anything. But I just want to invite you, if that's, if that's you, would you just have the courage to stand? Because I want to pray over you today. I want to pray that though you have Though you feel like a failure, though you feel like the story of your life is all the ways you've fallen short, today's a new day, and the posture of your heart is, God, I'm running to you, not from you. If you want to join me in that prayer today, I'm just going to invite you to stand to your feet. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your, your sons, your daughters around this room. They're responding to your grace. In their moment of desperation, you're meeting them right where they are, Lord. Thank you. They're not standing for me. Their posture of their heart is, Lord, I'm running to you. I'm running to you. I'm not going to run from you any longer. I'm not going to push you away. I'm not going to believe the lies of the enemy anymore. Father, I pray over my brothers and sisters, those around the room that are standing, I pray in their desperation, they would find grace upon grace, forgiveness, redemption, hope, and healing that you would begin right now to write a new story in their life, just as Peter's story had been, his failure, his mistakes. Now, Lord, you, you wrote a new story, just as in Lewis's life, his story had been hopelessness and despair and a cycle he could not break. Now you have written a new story. And so I pray over my brothers and sisters today standing that you would write a new story in their heart and in their life. That in their desperation as they run to you, Lord, they would find your grace and your forgiveness and incredible redemption. That's your story for us, Lord. We thank you. And we believe that you hear us. Church family, let's stand. We're going to worship. We're going to sing a song that declares in faith that we're going to run to the Father. We're going to run to his love. We're going to receive his forgiveness. And so today, if you know that to be true, as we sing, celebrate that. Thank the Lord for his forgiveness and his grace poured out in your life. Let's worship together. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.